episode six of the Good Friends Podcast. Today is Wednesday, November 26th, 2014. I'm sitting here with my good friend, Rod Bastenberg. Hi! What's up, man? What is up? It's Thanksgiving! Ooh, 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 my favorite holiday. Is it really your favorite holiday? Yeah, it is my favorite holiday, actually. Hmm. Did you know that? Uh, No. I didn't. I like it more than Christmas, and I always have. Yes, I like Thanksgiving because no, it's you don't get dirty looks for being a gluttonous slob. Right. <laughs> it's kind of just what you're supposed to be. Right, and it becomes a cycle because that is the thing I'm most thankful for. It's just a day where I can be shoving my face with mashed potatoes and doing my thing. It's yeah. really nice. I love yeah. it. And I just There's- love the food itself. Like, they're some of my favorite, like, comfort foods. Like, I love mashed potatoes. I love, like, biscuits or whatever. Turkey. <laughs> Gravy. <laughs> Cranberry. Uh, so, you don't have any, like, because your family obviously is, like, first generation, uh, like, immigrants to the, this country. They don't have, you don't have any, like... Iranian spice to Thanksgiving, or is it pretty much just the... Oh my god, the- my, my parents hopped on the holiday train with vigor. Like, literally, oh, yeah. you would think that they're full-throttle, like, Anglo-Saxon, like, waspy <laughs> Americans. Like, they fuck with the Christmas tree, they're like, about it, about it. They love Thanksgiving, because they That's love good. turkey. Like, they just love that stuff. Um, but we do, my mom does do, like, an Iranian stuffing. Like, the stuffing is always very, like, Iranian spice, like, jasmine rice and like it's just goat cheese yeah it's just like it's a big block of feta inside of a watermelon and we just <laughs> shove it in our turkey and we're like yeah um yeah that's the only that's the only thing where my mom goes crazy but it's bomb her stuffing is like insane cool. respect yeah respect to stuffing yeah it's so good yeah so like i like i just love thanksgiving it's so fun yet it's the one i'm never home for like ever that sucks i haven't been home for thanksgiving in a while either i know i don't know why i guess because like staying i like gotta be home for christmas but like staying through christmas is too long i don't know it's a long it's a long it's a tough uh tough time to to navigate it is it's really hard it's hard what are you gonna gonna be doing for thanksgiving this year you're gonna be alone um yeah i'm just gonna be um cooking a microwavable dinner i'm gonna turn all my lights off um and I'm going to eat it in the bathtub with a knife to my throat. <laughs> and I'm going to say, I'm nothing, right when I slit. No, I'm going to be having dinner at my wonderful friend Pega's house. She's, like, hosting oh, nice. a whole thing. And she's vegetarian, so the fact that she's hosting a meat-based meal is pretty dope. So props to her. Props um, to her. Good for her. I think she's doing, like, a tofurkey and, like, for herself and then a turkey for everyone else. Yes, so, like, we have a family friend who is also, like, vegan, but she's hosted... Thanksgiving or Christmas before, and she's just had to suck it up. Really? I'm so impressed. It's good good job. Yeah, good job. That's impressive. It's really impressive, because it feels like if there's any day where your vegetarianism really is like, let me pump the brakes real quick, it would have to be Thanksgiving, but that's so hard. Like, for some people, the smell of turkey is, like, really gnarly. Like, I wouldn't blame them for not wanting to be in a room where it's, like, basting at 500 degrees or whatever. Yeah, right. Just meat juice in the air. Yeah, so he's, like, spritzed in the air, like, just hear that meat juice tingling. So yeah. gross. So, uh, good job Thanksgiving. Good job Thanksgiving. Um, and I'm so glad that there's no brutal history attached to it and that it's just really a day about eating and just historically has always been super chill. Like, I love that. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it's just not a complicated day at all. Like, it's just so Yeah, fun. right, right. It's, it's the one day a year where white people didn't try to fuck everyone else over. Right, yeah, it's We great. waited. See, this is what we did. We got you full and sleepy and then waited until Black Friday. Oh my god. Why do you think it's called that? Wait, is Black Friday referred to the day they gave them smallpox? No, no, no. 
I think it's a reference to the day businesses, quote-unquote, go in the black, meaning that's like the day they start to turn a profit. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah, Hi, exactly. that's really fun. Also, this is a total side note. Did you know that the term cracker, oh my god, sorry, but like the term cracker <laughs> doesn't refer to like a white person's skin tone being similar to that of a cracker, but it refers to like the sound a whip made? I, yes, I was aware of that. I wasn't. I literally was like thinking it was always had to do with the fact that white people look like saltines. <laughs> I literally didn't know. I'm I horrified. am crispy and covered in salt. So. <laughs> You think. actually are. Considering how many times I've licked you while you were asleep, I can vouch for that. <laughs> you heard me. Uh, all right. You heard me. I licked ya. Oh my god. <laughs> so gross. Um, but also, like, quick side note: a listener named Maddie um, wanted us to quickly discuss the fact that now, I guess, Black Friday sales start at like 6 p.m. on Thanksgiving Day. It's definitely like an event. It's an event to kind of have Thanksgiving and then like after you're done with your family time, go wait in line all night for Black Friday. Wow, so great. Two things I love. Spending a lot of intimate time with my family and then standing in lines. And then immediately going and and buying into consumer culture and, and not waiting to buy all the latest stuff. Yeah, honestly, I feel like grandma is like, I'm thankful for my hair because yeah. without it, everyone's like, shut up and like going Grandma's quickly like for thankful it. for the last two weeks she has on this earth and meanwhile, I'm in line for Xbox, <laughs> yeah. Xbox One. She's thankful for the fact that her last living family member invited her to Thanksgiving, but nobody hears because they're already revving up the minivan. Like, <laughs> shut up, Nancy, let's go. Like, yeah. oh, God. Yeah. So brutal. I can't believe it. I've never done Black Friday and I never will. And with the advent of online shopping, I don't know why anyone does it's true um i uh, yeah i mean i don't think either of us can speak to this because i haven't done black friday ever like ever i used to what i used to do was when i was a little kid i remember one time uh they marshall's was giving away a joe montana like foam football and i went with my dad at like six in the morning to get a free foam football but we didn't buy anything it was just for the free crap that is so cute that is a great memory your dad woke up early just to get you this foam football and we got some foam footballs and probably mm. played with them for the ha- for the afternoon and then probably lost them. Oh, mama mia. That is literally such a cute memory. You know that my weak spot is father-son stuff. Yeah. That is so sweet. I love your dad. If he's listening, <laughs> I will never forget what he did for me. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, uh, yes, no, it's a, it's kind of a funny thing now that, that it almost feels like the Black Friday hype is going to take over. It's too much. Yeah, I just feel like it's impeding on the day of to, like, a really gruesome degree. And, like, you know what you're going to see, right, on Black Friday, or, like, the Saturday after Black Friday or a couple hours after Black Friday starts, like, there's going to be news stories about people getting trampled to death. Right. There's going to be crazy video of of storming the gates of of Walmart. (laughs) There's going to be, like, moms fighting over... Teletubby beanie babies. It's true. It's honestly what it becomes is it becomes a half marathon for obese people. Like it's pretty much like you get to see what large people in the like middle of the country um, will do, and it's apparently run once in their lives for stuff for things. So it's really great to see large people tumbling into like a pit of like plastic bouncy balls as someone like hits them over the head with a flat screen. Like that turns me on. I'm into it. Good, good. I'm into those YouTube supercuts. Bring them on. Me too. World star hip hop. World star. Oh my god. I would kill for a world star hip hop, like, click hole equivalent for right. 
Black Friday videos. Black Friday madness. But yeah, we should definitely next week discuss our... We should research it and discuss our favorite um, Black Friday brutal videos. Our favorite yeah. Black Friday snuff films. I'll be doing that anyway, so I'd be happy to share with everybody <laughs> that listens to this. Yeah, podcast. you might as well consolidate the two things you're doing next week. This and that. Yeah. And do them together. Alright, well, so we are, we're talking about things that we're thankful for. And one thing that I'm not thankful for... Ooh. <laughs> Go in. Right. <laughs> it seems like since the last time we've had a podcast and, and put it up on the air, another little podcast has come and stolen all of our thunder. Mm-hmm. That wasn't an alarm. That was me agreeing. <laughs> the producers of This American Life have come out with the very, very popular, in fact, it's the most downloaded podcast in the world right now. Yeah! Bumping ours to a sweet second. Yeah. Serial. So, we know, you and I both know who we can blame for this. Yeah, do we even need to say her name? Yeah, I think we do. Janet. Thanks, Janet. Thanks, Janet. Thanks. You really just fucked us again. (laughs) Do me a quick favor, Jarnu. Buy me dinner next time. You're going to fuck me like this. Okay? Just the the production quality on cereal. Is incredible. It's just, it's just better. It's better. And how many times did I ask you to stage a murder so we'd have something to talk about? And guess what cereal's about? A murder. (laughs) Livid. Livid. Once again, Janet finds her position on the brink of... <laughs> annihilation. <laughs> on the brink of annihilation. Next year's serial is going to be about the producer of a podcast who was murdered and the two suspects who got away clean. Yeah, so... so cross-promotion. Yeah, serial is literally so popular. So, so popular. And probably going to be spoofed on Portlandia by this time next year. Like, oh yeah. my god, people are obsessed. And you caught up this week at my insistence. I did, I did a catch-up. So what did you think? We haven't even talked about it. What do you think? What do you think? And what did you heard about it before? Had you heard about it at all? Uh, uh, no, I, well, I had heard a little bit about it, but I wasn't aware of the, uh, what, the point of the podcast was or what what the content was right um and i was kind of expecting it to be i didn't realize it was going to be a story uh like for the whole series or whatever i thought it would be kind of just episodes about different serial killers or something and i figured out oh, serial serial killers that's creepy oh good call but then, yeah you start listening and then you realize it's, just, it's this one story kind of told week by week right um, and i think it's i mean it's definitely gripping uh, it's definitely, I feel like probably now the Sarah Koenig, the, 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 the lead, I don't know what you Yeah, call like her, the guess. host and the like host, the investigator, the producer, like investigator the journalist, like she's everything. She is everything. And, um, it kind of, now that, uh, it's, they're on their, they're going into their 10th episode that's supposed to come out a week from today. And it kind of feels like the podcast had shifted from where it started to where it is now. Mm. You know? Yeah, in what way? Because at the beginning, it kind of felt like, oh, this is an investigative show um, meant to kind of fully reveal the truth behind this, this, this like, murder that happened 15 years ago. And, and she's going to be, like, kind of detailing um, stories and, and leads and, and, and um, informants and stuff like that week mm-hmm. by week. But it kind of felt feels like she did that 
within the first three episodes, and then like the middle three ha- has like a whole different feel, and then these last three also have a, a different feel than than the first and the second three. Interesting. Like it's in three. You know? It's almost in like three arcs now. Yeah, it's like kind of investigating what happened, right? Right. Talking about what the prosecution did, what the defense did, the stories from the classmates of that of the day where this girl goes missing, and then it goes into kind of like, oh, what like what can we do about this person if you know, she has that episode where it's I think episode seven is just exclusively with the um person who is oh, in charge of like the, the teacher. Uh, like the teacher of those students, right? Who like takes on the case kind of? No, the episode seven entitled The Opposite of Prosecution where she sits down with uh, um, that woman who's in charge of kind of helping wrongly wrongly prosecuted um, prisoners. Right, right, right. No, that's what I'm talking about. Where she oh, okay. Doesn't she, like, put, like, two of her, like, kids on it or, like, two of her, like, students on the case who, like, check to see whether the case is as, like, foolproof as it seemed? And they're all like, no, it's not. Yeah, like we don't yeah know how she he was brings convicted. on the, the, the head of the organization and the lady kind right. of is shocked that they, they like, even had a trial or whatever. Right. And then she also goes to, um, like, a former Washington, D.C. homicide police and does the same thing, and he says the same stuff. Um, but, yeah, it just kind of feels like we're not going to... It's one of these things where people are going to want, like, an answer. Yes, he did it. No, he didn't do right. it. Right. But I don't think we're going to get that. I think right. It's either, I think it's either going to end ambiguously or it's just going to end like Adnan's just stuck in jail. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, I think that's the most interesting thing. I think, should we give like a quick, like two-sentence synopsis of like what this story is? Or do you, should we assume everybody is listening because it's no, so give addictive? No, let's give a little synopsis. Okay, so Serial is obviously a single investigative radio piece told over the course of many weeks. We do not know how many weeks it will be. And um, the story is about a murder that took place in 1999. And about, yeah, a girl who was killed in Baltimore and her ex-boyfriend and, like, relatively good friend even after the breakup was convicted of the murder. There's a friend that the two have in common. His name is Jay, who is, like, a major linchpin in the prosecution's case against the kid who is on the show often. Like, he pretty much checks in with Sarah... What yeah, is it? Caning, like, every week um, through, like, the telephone at the jail, um, which gives it, like, a very, like, unsettling feeling when they, like, include the bit about, right. like, the jail connecting the phone call. Like, you're always yeah, reminded right. of the fact that he's in jail. Um, and every week sort of develops a story, and you're totally right. Like, it does feel like it's in three arcs. It feels like the first three episodes are about, like, setting up all the facts, and, like, she'll refer back to those facts often because she, like, as everyone has, like, said on the internet, like, creates a pretty intimate relationship with the listener by, you know, talking to you very directly and being like, this is the part that doesn't make sense to me. Or, like, okay, I'm going to back up really quick. Like, very intimate in that way. And then the middle is, like, when we start getting into, like, the theories and she kind of starts, like, you know, more cliffhangery endings about, like, things she discovered. But now these three episodes seems like she sort of, like investigating her own biases at this point in the case, which is, like, I think really interesting. Like, it's, you know, when I read investigative long-form pieces, which I love to read, I love murder, um, there's always this, like, undeniable, the undeniable bias that, like, a reporter has when they're, like, investigating something, you know? Like, you develop a connection to, like, one or two of your sources, unless you can really maintain journalistic objectivity, which is, like, just really hard when it's, like, kids in jail whose, like, lives have been ruined, you know? Like, you're gonna feel something. And I like that she's totally investigating that. Like, that is equal part of the investigation. Mm -hmm. And that's because the case is, like, for all intents and purposes, closed. 
you Pretty know? Pretty much. It is closed. I mean, it's a closed case. The kid's doing life in He's life doing in life in prison. Yeah, and that's, yeah. like, sort of the most interesting thing about Serial, I think. It's, like, this isn't a think piece about a murder. Like, this isn't an opinion. It isn't a verdict. It's someone who's processing a really complicated story, like, week by week, you know? Yes. And for Anand, who's, like, the guy in jail, um, the story's over, you know? It's, like, it's done. And he, you know, he there's yes. no hope that he's going to get out unless yes. there is suddenly. Um, and I don't know. I think it's a really... Serial just operates on, like, so many interesting levels to me. Like, it's just, like, it's so... Um, I don't know. It's... The the way it's, like, telling this story just feels... I think the what reason people are responding to it so much is that, like, you know, so much new Like, breaking news is dead, for all intents yeah. and purposes. You know, like, that entire notion of, like, how news breaks has completely morphed and is, like, pretty awful now, in my opinion. Like, yeah. you know, like, all the stuff with, like, the Boston... 24-hour news cycles and kind of just, like, coming up with headlines. Right, yeah, it's, like, clickbait yeah. and, like, you know, and, yeah, the 24-hour news cycle requires you to always have breaking news and breaking news is a rare thing, like, yeah. often, it's news isn't breaking that need or news, there isn't always news that needs to break, rather, you know, right, like, right. the Boston bombing was, like, probably the best example of breaking news dying, where it was, like, there's just nothing to report, but you have to keep reporting. So this yes. story is great because it's, like, you know, it's, I think people are really hungry for, like, you know, a slow burning story and like, you know, part of it is entertainment. Sarah doesn't, uh, the host doesn't have, doesn't owe anything to Anon, really. Do you know what no. I mean? Like, right. she doesn't owe anything to anyone but the listener because like at its core, Serial is just like, it's about entertainment. It's about us being entertained. Like it has this like larger conversation it's having about this like potentially innocent guy um, who I feel so bad for, like literally so bad. Like I haven't even looked up pictures of what anyone looks like any mm -hmm. of the people that she's talking about looks like, because I don't even want to put a face on them. They, like, mm -hmm. that becomes, like, too intense. But right. I think people are really hungry for this sort of, like, I don't know, like, really well-plotted story, and, like, to not be treated like they have to um, read a reaction to a reaction or, like, an opinion right. on an opinion. You know, it's like it feels calm, and I don't know, I it kind of love that. I agree with you on that, and, um, and it, I think it helps that this is, she's investigating a story that's already happened. You know, mm -hmm. it's, like, old news. Totally. But it's just kind of like maybe old news that a lot of people got wrong. Right. And we should, yeah, I mean, because the whole crux of it is like he got charged with this murder, but she had gotten letter after letter after letter from like friends and family being like, this was a case that the Baltimore County like prosecution fucked up. Right. Like she, they got this so wrong. And um, it's, it's something that, yeah, I mean, like you said, for all intents and purposes, Adnan is in prison for the rest of his life. Right. And he's going to stay there. And there's a really interesting um, interaction, actually. I don't know if you, you in episode nine, I don't think you... you I have not that. heard last Thursdays. Yes. Yeah, so in episode nine, they ha they're talking on the phone, Sarah and Adnan, and she kind of goes like, well, it's, it's just hard because I just feel like you're a good guy. And, and Oh, I heard that. And he's like, you don't know me. Yeah, right. He's like, you don't, like, I'm in prison. Right. Like, I'm, like, they don't put good people in prison. Oh, that moment was, yeah, great call and playing so that. so it's just kind of like, you know, it's really humanizing when some piece of, like, this kind of journalism where it's not just a name and a face. Yeah. You're getting, like, this person's... You're getting, like, everything. You're getting, You're getting everything. Oh, my God, it's so real. That's so true. Yeah, that yeah. moment was, like, heartbreaking because it was, like, you know, like... There's no, neither of them should believe the other. You know what I mean? Right. Like, 
there, there's no reason for um, Anon to believe Sarah because she's a writer, and a writer you have to like trust and not trust. Like Joan Didion has, plus like, it's a, her has job a quote to, about that. She she doesn't you know it's like she's she's not an investigator. She's a member of the media who's in charge of c- coming up with like the best story possible. Right. Right, exactly. And the best story isn't necessarily always going to be in the best interest of the source, you know? Right, right. Um, yeah, like Joan Didion has this quote, like, writers are always selling someone out. And it's like, that is true. And at the same time, there's no reason that she should just believe him, right? Cause, and he right. says that, even though, like, I don't know, no, no matter what you take away from the case, if you think he's guilty or innocent, like, I personally am, like, just never following the story. But, or in terms of, like, I don't really think he's guilty, mostly because, like, everything hinging on Jay as a witness just feels really shaky. Like, if your yeah. main witness, the main crux of the entire prosecution is constantly changing his story, and is that unreliable? Like, you have lost the crux of your prosecution. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love that moment, because it's so real. He's like, there's no reason you should trust me. Like, we've never met. You've never seen my face. It's so sad, but it's so good. Like, I'm it, literally obsessed. It's funny, because this, like, listening to it, Having like watched the, all of the seasons of The Wire, which mm. you you should be doing, mm-hmm. um, it's funny because <laughs> one this day is such, in in the show The Wire, it's like such an important and like groundbreaking thing to have an eyewitness testimony, right? That I can see it's kind of just funny. Like you see the things that are brought up in The Wire come to life in this case, right? right? Because like, they both take place in Baltimore. They both take place in Baltimore. I think this. Um, crime was investigated by Baltimore County Police, whereas The Wire is about Baltimore City Police. Okay. But it's just kind of like, they talk about how, Sarah King talks about how it's such a big deal that they found an eyewitness to testify on the stand in front of a jury about having seen the body in the back of, you know, whoever's, of Adnan's car. And the detectives and the, you know, the state of Maryland kind of are able to turn a blind eye to all of his inconsistencies and right. his lies and all the stuff that doesn't look good for their case, they're able to just kind of ignore just... Just so because can, he talked. Because of the so simple fact put, that he talked. Just so they can say, this person killed Hey Leash, like, he's in jail, he's in prison, we solved the murder. Right. Totally. Yeah, it's a very definitely. very interesting uh, kind of... I don't know. It's just, yeah. No, that's a really important context. So you have, like, a city with, like, a historically high crime rate and probably, like, a series of unsolved murders, like, every single year, and then you have one person who's finally, like, willing to talk and rat out a friend where, yeah, like, right. the culture so like, of criminality like, is not like that. Of course, we're gonna, we're gonna, like, ride this guy until we can. Right, because it's in our best interest as the police. Right. No, it's totally true. Another interesting thing about Serial that I think some people maybe have problems with, I haven't really read any writings about Serial. I'm, like, very uninterested in, like, think pieces. Yeah, I'm just kind of, like, not interested in that. It feels very, like... I don't know. I just don't need people, like, projecting anything onto this, onto my opinion of it. I just want to, like, react to it. But um, Anand is, like, a Muslim, like, Pakistani kid in the middle of, like, I I believe, and he's, like, a real relative minority in Baltimore. But Sarah has, like, not really, like, investigated that element. Like, the racial element of his conviction seems to, like, be sort of sideswiped, which I think is sort of interesting. I think, like, it's maybe problematic, and, like, that played a bigger role than it seems, but I feel like it's really interesting that, like, we're not getting theories until Sarah really personally reaches them, you know? Like, we're really... She's processing this live, and, like, we're hearing it live, and until she really feels, like, racist factored in her, until she's really even thought about it, like, she's not gonna bring it up. And, I don't know, there's something really interesting. I feel like there's a real intimacy with 
her and with Anon and like how she's feeling and thinking. Like she's just such a big part of this, which is really interesting. Yeah, would you say that the fact that this happened like before nine eleven would would play into that at all? Because this is obviously before like Yeah, I think so. I mean I know, think like Islamophobia weird. was like not as bad. Uh, in yeah, moment. Islamophobia started to kick in. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, if homie... I mean, like, he was guilty either way, but if this happened in, like, 2002, I feel like he would have been, like... I don't even know, like, executed? Like, I don't know. It was just, like, uh, the, the the tensions of that moment in time were just, like, so different. So it feels like maybe race didn't play a role, and it's, like, you can't do any sort of um, retroactive projecting of, like, you know, oh, they were probably thinking this. I don't know. I don't know what to think. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't... I don't know. It's that's the, my whole thing with this case. I just don't know. Oh, who knows? We could. I mean, that could be a very important part of the next episode. We'll... Totally. Because if Sarah yeah, decides just, it's important, it, it's important. It's cool. Yeah, and we're just kind of along for the ride, and I think it's just a fun, a fun, uh, you know, little surprise every Thursday. Definitely, completely agree. Completely agree. Even though they are our competitors, we yeah, will acquiesce so. for a minute and say, "Well done, well done." But you've made the shit list. Yeah, you're on our shit list and you're on our AOL list. You get devil tongued yeah. and you get good friended. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. There so. you go. Hmm. So. Hmm. <laughs> ah. what? We gotta find better transitions. This is really hard. <laughs> you know, we need you to do the cereal like ding, 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 like cereal yeah. music. Um, we uh, yeah, do. I mean, if our music was better. Uh, <laughs> That was maybe, maybe too intense. Yeah, I agree. I will say, even though our transitions aren't great, your segues are often my favorite parts of the show. They're always very clean. You should know. I try. I you try, try sometimes, but this time I failed. So, nice. <laughs> on to the next. On to the next topic. Hit it. Rod. Hey. I understand that you've seen the awe-inspiring... Insta, Insta classic, Interstellar. Oh my God, the Christopher Nolan's Insta classic. What if that's what it was called? Yeah. I um, so. I did see it. I saw it last week on IMAX. Um, and I don't know how I feel about it. <laughs> I liked it. I don't know. Yeah, I saw it. I saw it a lot. I'm a big. Well, first of all, you, are you a big Christopher Nolan fan? What are you? What are your thoughts on him? I I usually um enjoy his films at least for the. During the first time seeing them, sure. I will watch and usually enjoy. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I do too. I'm like a pretty big... He's like my favorite blockbuster filmmaker, probably. You know, like he's my favorite... Yeah, actually, that's a very good point. He's one of the only guys who I get excited about when it's like a big-time movie that they spend a lot of money on. Word. Yeah, it's like probably how kids in the 80s or 90s felt about like Spielberg. Like Even though that was kind of us, I like never really cared about Spielberg. But like if I was in my 20s in the 80s or 90s... Right, right. I feel about Christopher Nolan the way I feel about Spielberg, which is to say they're, like, really large movies. Like, they're just, like, really big, and, like, that's their best element and their worst element, and this movie is literally so big. Like, it is just so much. Like, so much is going on. Um, it's really, really crazy. Seeing it in IMAX was really intense. Um... And I don't know, I sort of, you leave a Christopher Nolan movie having, like, often loved watching it, and then as time wears on, you're just like, I don't know, I have weird reactions. I don't find, okay, should I say what the plot is? Should I give, like, a short synopsis? Yeah, 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 go for it. So, in, so Christopher Nolan's Interstellar is about, basically, a, in the future, it's like an unmarked, it's a pretty familiar looking future, like, 
the world's crops have pretty much, like, stopped growing, and there's been some sort of strange, like, Dust Bowl-type situation where, like, the human race has run out of food, and because of that, like, funding has been cut from, like, the space race, and, like, technology has sort of gone down to its just, like, bare essentials, and, um, the Earth is, like, essentially dying. Like, there's no sort of doomsdayness attached to, like, the first act of the film. Like, it's not, like, an apocalypse movie, but, like, there were, we're nearing a breaking point in, like, human existence. Except for the fact that a wormhole has been found in space, which, like, essentially allows people to, like, cut through um, our solar system into a completely different one and, like, make, make intergalactic travel a possibility. So for no reason, Matthew McConaughey has chosen to go through this wormhole, along with... Um, everyone's least favorite human, Anne Hathaway. Keep her in space, please. Um, and they go off with, like, two other people, including this really dope robot named Tars. Um, and they, like, shoot on through. And literally everything you've seen in, like, the trailers is exclusively, for the most part, like, the first 25 minutes of the movie. And, like, everything, yeah, like, all the stuff on Earth is, like, only there. Um, and of course, like, the big conflict of the movie is they're trying to find a habitable planet, Right. And, like, they get sent through the wormhole, and there are three planets that, like, they've sent other people in throughout time. And, like, they have to check these three planets to see if there's any chance to, like, for it to be able to host life. But every, like, hour spent on these planets is, like, seven years back on Earth. And so, like, eat, like talk about trouble. Like, that is the most stressful thing you can have. Like, I get stressed when it's a Thursday, suddenly. Um, and I feel like my week's over. Like, I don't know what I would do if I was like, oh, it's seven years in the future, I've been on this plan for 45 minutes, how? Um, and he just wants to get back to his daughter, even though bitch just left her. I was like, you can't have your cake and eat it too, Matthew. Um, so he has to try to find a habitable planet and get back to Earth before his daughter, like, I don't know, like, has a baby without him, or is dead, or, like, gets married, or, like, graduates. I'm like, what? Um, so that's, like, the basic plot of the movie, and as with every Christopher Nolan movie that barely skims at the surface of anything, because it's literally so dense and also kind of stupid, but also, like, kind of great, I don't know, I loved watching it, I was, like, so, I felt like I was literally on acid, it was, like, so crazy. Yeah, one of the first things that I saw after the movie was released was, like, was, like, uh, you know how after Inception was released, there were all these, like, flowcharts coming out explaining the plot? Yeah, so yeah. I saw this, I saw this flowchart for Interstellar, and there were, like, a million different colors and charts, and I kind of was like, this, I can't even begin with this. I, I am frustrated is that how by it that. Is? No, it, I don't ever find Christopher Nolan movies to be as complicated as people make it out to be. Like, all he does is tell you things. Like, all he does is tell you things. Like... That's literally the entire movie. It's just him telling you things. And it's like, if you just sort of, like, pay attention... Not to say I'm, like, a... Like, very, I'm a smart moviegoer, so, like, it's really easy for me. It's just, like, it really isn't that complicated. Like, his movies love... His, his movies are so obsessed with their own mechanics and, like, the way that they function. Like, all he cares about is, like, how things work, you know? And he doesn't... He tells you everything about how the movie works. And he also tells you, like, how to feel. Like, all his movies are just, like sort of emotionally vapid to me like they make you feel things but that's because like he never lets up the score and like it's always blasting in your literal face um i don't know yeah i don't find interstellar is it is really not nearly as complicated as people will make it out to seem and it's not as complicated as um as inception was like i guess i can understand kind of maybe how people would find inception confusing because it just sort of like starts like inception starts in like the middle of action, right? Like, in media today. So, like, it just sort of, like, yeah, starts. Right. But Interstellar really takes its time. So, like, you're really getting a lot of exposition. Um, 
But yeah, I don't know. I just don't... His movies are just so emotionally... They're so, like... They're just such shells. Emotional shells to me. And, like, when you're in it, like, you're so in it. But then when you step out, you're like, okay, that was literally... That felt like a... Like, math lesson. I don't know. Like but a science documentary? Yeah, it felt literally like the world's most engrossing PowerPoint. Like, what? Because uh, it's funny. During the trailer, it kind of just feels like it's going to be a, like a movie about a, a father and a daughter. Um, you know I cried three times because it is. The trailer, the trailer makes it seem so emotional. It's so emotional. It's literally so emotional. But it's emotional because it tells you it's emotional. You know what I mean? Like, he is... I've, yeah, it's it is it's totally okay. Yeah, I I mean for me it's like obvious trigger warning. Like anything about fathers makes me want to throw myself out a window. Like makes me want to cry. It just makes me think of the Little Princess every single time I see a movie about fathers. Um, and yeah, as time is passing, like no spoiler, because like I think pretty much everyone knows, but like time does pass, and like um, Oscar nominee Jessica Chastain, who as always looks sixty five, even though she's like in her early thirties, um, plays his daughter, like all grown up, and like. We see, whoa, like, we see flashes, like, we see bits of, like, Earth life. So, like, time does pass, and, like, the tra- the way that that tragedy, like, hits Matthew McConaughey's character is so real. Like, it's just, it's a really, his performance oh, is, like, beautiful. you're all beautiful. older now. You're older now, all right, all right, all right, tee hee hee. Like, okay, like, why I are like you in space? Ram. <laughs> I can't even do a Matthew McConaughey, I just sound like a hack. Um... <laughs> But yeah, no, it's totally emotional. It's really, really emotional. And it's good. Like, I really did love watching it. To me, Christopher Nolan is just like Michael Bay. Like, he is, he's on the same level as Michael Bay, but his movies, I just think, are better. You know, like, right. Michael Bay movies feel really tall. They feel, like, big and, like, tall, and I'm, like, cranking my neck to, like, take them in. And Christopher Nolan movies feel really, like, wide. They feel like they sprawl to the sides, and I'm, like, looking around a lot and, like, trying to digest everything that he's showing me. And, like, I prefer that because it requires me to be more active and not... And when I'm watching Michael Bay movies, I'm more passive and I can just sort of... Michael Bay. He blows. Plus, his movies are just big commercials for GM. Yeah, they literally are. I'm like, oh, yeah, Yeah. for GM and literally, like, Asian tourist industry. Like, why do I keep going to Bangkok in every single Michael Bay movie? Like, we were just in the American heartland. Why am I suddenly being dropped into a Bangkok skyscraper? Like, every chance he gets. So unnecessary. It's so unnecessary. Like, I just don't. So I will always prefer a Nolan to a Bay, but they are in the same family no matter what people tell you like they are the same type they're interested in the same right. things so Pre- prepare for the blowback blow oh bring it i don't know i feel like people are a little christopher nolan exhausted but i think there will be blowback because christopher nolan people like jerk off on and michael bay people want to kill like they're the public opinion is very different yeah, but it's true. so maybe there will very be good. blowback but i'll stand by i don't give a fuck well, I gotta see it still, so I'm excited to see, see it. See it, see it on IMAX. Like, just do yeah. it. See it. It doesn't. It looks great when it's in IMAX, but then like a lot of scenes are filmed on regular camera, and it's very obvious when like oh, yeah. it switches. But it's so worth it for the mm-hmm. IMAX bit. Okay. Get into it. All right. Well, mm-hmm. I think it's time for the uh, for the fan for the questions. For the fan questions. For the- <laughs> we have fan questions. <laughs> Thing. I want to interstellar and go back in time and fix what just happened real quick. It's too late because if you do that, I'll be a 70-year-old man shitting my pants. <laughs> I come back like, Jack, don't worry. We totally edited the podcast. And you're like, Ugh. I'm like, oh, really? Didn't. On my deathbed. 
I'll be like, whew, I really took my time. Shouldn't have stopped for that on meal. on my deathbed and still mad about cereal. Oh, my God. They're still going. They're on episode 6003. And me just yeah. like, whoo, where was I? Um, Adnan was never at the park. <laughs> your dying words. Yeah. As you pass. <laughs> Adnan was it. No, Jack, what did you say? Jack! Anyway, okay, fan uh, email questions. Fan questions. Ooh, ooh, fan questions. Ooh, ooh, it's yeah, time. So, so thanks for doing these. We really appreciate all the questions we got. We got a lot, and we're gonna save them um, for later weeks. You guys are the best. We're getting tons of them. It makes me want to go. Makes me want to go that too. Do it, <laughs> Rod. Do it. Yeah. Fan questions. So definitely keep them coming, and don't get discouraged if you don't hear your, your question answered this week. We'll probably come back to it. Yeah, we will um, come back to it. We're creating, like, a log so that we always have some to answer. We're doing most relevant ones first. Right, if you will. The first one. Yes. So our first question is from listener Seppo Mokwana, all the way from London Town. And the question is, after her... This is directly from Seppo, and it involves everyone's favorite topic after cereal, Beyonce. Um, the question is... After releasing her, look, I'm a real person, music video for 7-Eleven, which is really real, how much do you think an entertainer of her stature deserves time person of the year? Along with the likes of Malala, oh my god, who are these people? Narendra Modi, oh my god, I'm so embarrassed, I don't know these. Um, and apparently Ebola doctors and nurses, are they in the running for Times person of the year? Ebola Times, doctors? Okay, so time, Times fucking stupid person of the year thing is like, <laughs> basically it's like voted on by... It, it, general public okay so okay. you look at the time uh, candidates for person of the people of the year and it's like the people who helped out nebola or ebola victims and then it's like the the winner of the nobel peace prize and then it's like taylor swift so stupid so, <laughs> i mean like I'm, so you know beyonce i love her she's very entertaining she is um you know she i'm i'm She's she's good at doing her own thing, and she's built this whole kind of empire from the ground up, and it's all about her, and that's cool. The Time Person of the Year award, like must we? Does it really? Why 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 put those? Why put entertainment and actual importance into the same vote? Right. I have to agree. This is a really great question because I think like. What is it? She was... Was she in the running for Time's Person of the Year? No, it was um, that cover. Like, the most powerful people cover for Time. That oh. Beyonce was on. Remember people were, like, pissed off she was in her underwear or whatever? Oh, uh, I don't remember that time. You don't remember? It's, like, a black and white photo of her in her underwear. But, like, not even overly sexual. It's actually, like, a really gorgeous photo. And people were like, what the fuck? And it's like, whatever. Um, yeah, I agree. Jarku, like... Can we get a break? I love Beyonce as much as the next person, but I need a minute. The Beyonce industrial complex is mad exhausting. Like, I need a minute. Yeah, I mean, did you have any thoughts on, like, what, like why did she come out with that video? Is she going to come out with a new album? Or she announced it. She announced it. So that, like, thing uh -huh. that leaked, like, the track listing of a new album was fake, as I assumed it would be. But she's releasing, like, a platinum deluxe edition of the album from last year, with, like, two new songs. Both those songs are now on the internet. Um, and there's a video for one of them, which is the one Seppo's asking about, 7-Eleven. Um, have you heard it? Have you seen this video or heard the song? I saw, I saw the video. So the video's dope. Like, I love it. It's so beautiful. The song pisses me off. 
<laughs> it kind of sounds like that that Wiz Khalifa song, uh, Dem Boys. Oh my god, it kind of does. Yeah, it just has that, like, the chaos of, like, the... Yeah, no, totally, I know what you mean. I actually, for me, it annoys me because it just feels like a, um... It feels like her and her team, like, realized that people loved, like, I woke up like this, they loved surfboard, they, like, loved these, like, hashtag-ready lyrics. So they just wrote a song filled with lines that you can just, like, hashtag. Yeah, just one-liners. It's an entire song that's, like, ready for merchandise. Like, it's just, like, mm. like, like never spill your alcohol. Like, right, or, like, right. I know you care. Like, whatever. It's just, like, all of these, like, lines. And it's, like, if you, if I'm supposed to buy into this Beyonce artistry, then I need to, her, to know that there is not this level of, like, boardroom, you right. know, vibing. Like, even though Beyonce is at the head of her boardroom, for sure, I just don't want a boardroom product. Like, I just don't want that vibe. You, you don't know? want a team to go in and say, okay, Beyonce, we got the most feedback for this and her being yeah. like, okay, these are the things we need in the next song. Exactly. Completely. That's exactly how I feel. Like, I love the idea that, like, if that happens, I can rest assured that Beyonce was, like, the executive decision that made this sh- stuff happen. Like, she's not a puppet. Like, we know this for a fact. That's, like, the whole point of her brand. But, like... I just don't like the idea that, like, that's still how she's thinking. And this song just feels literally like it's, like, like they have the sweaters ready. And they're just, like, ready to send them out if people want them. And it's, like, this is just such a dumb song. And, like, it just feels like a cutting room floor from the last album. It's, like, I'm not going to vibe. Okay, so other um, other candidates for Time Person People of the Year um, I mean, are, include the head of ISIS. What the fuck? Wait, um, What? <laughs> Yeah, the head of ISIS. Obviously voting for that, because that's crazy. Uh, the Pope. What? We give the Pope person of the year, like, every, like, every yeah. time there's a new one. That's how it feels. And then, like, Kim Kardashian is is uh, a candidate, and so is Kanye. Ah. Uh, Harry Levin. Who? Uh, yeah, the guy who runs TMZ, right? Oh, my God, stop. What? Why? Or, or Harvey Levin, isn't that his name? Um, Levin's tabloid news website broke some of the biggest stories of the year, including the Jay-Z Solange elevator tape. That's so, the biggest story of the year? Of all the things some, that have happened this biggest. year? So, do you think that Harvey Levin is excited about meeting the head of ISIS when time throws their banquet? <laughs> yeah, is time trying to tell us that they're going to actually release an investigative piece where TMZ and ISIS are the same, and this is their yeah. way of teasing it? It's all one big Christopher Nolan film. Oh my god, it totally is. Christopher Nolan's ISIS. Like, I'm part of ISIS, and I created it. Wait. Um, no to all of those. Those all suck. I hate uh, all of them. T- time Person of the Year is kind of a crazy thing. It so. is. Do you remember the year it was like, Time's Person of the Year is you, And it was like a hideous <laughs> foil cover where like you're supposed to see yeah. your own reflection, but I yes, look like yes. a warped circus it creature. It was supposed to be a mirror. Yeah, I was like, this is aluminum foil. I can't see anything. I hate this magazine. Time. Yeah, I don't know who, like, who could get Time Person of the Year? I don't know, like, I don't know, like, um, I feel like Mal- Mal- Malala Youssef, is that her name? The one who won the, Pulitz- the Peace Prize? The Nobel Peace Prize? Possibly. Um, I feel like she was in the running last year, like, can you be in the running two years in a row? I don't know, I don't that know. feels weird, right? I don't know. I hope Time doesn't pick someone dumb. I hope they don't pick someone dumb either, because unlike most people, I actually, like, kind of care about the Time Person of the Year, because, like, Time Magazine is still a pretty great archive of, like, public life, and, you know, like, I just kind of want it to be, like, indicative of the years. Like, when it was the protesters, like, I was like, yeah, that's, like, pretty real. It's, like, kind of an abstract one. Yeah, it was Occupy, but it was also, like, the Green Movement in Iran, and, like, it was Egypt. It was, like, there was so much to that, and I was like, I'm into it. But, like, the guy from TMZ... Anyway, yeah. but yeah, so 
Don't want her to have time person of the year. Don't like 7-Eleven, but dope video, right? Yeah, yeah. It was I'm, cool. I'm on board with that. Ooh, ooh. Uh, thanks, okay, Seppo. Then, love you. Yeah, thanks, Seppo. Keep listening. Like us on Facebook. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Do you work for TMZ? That was... <laughs> Our next question comes from, uh, from listener Claire Martin, uh, who asks... I'd be really interested to hear y'all's thoughts on the new Hunger Games being banned in Thailand and China because of fear of it in, in instigating revolution. The intersection of media slash pop culture with youth-based protests has been around for a long time, but especially interesting seeing it on an international scale. Oh? And this kind of comes on the heels of all those Hong Kong protests for democracy. Um, uh, and kind of Thailand, I think Thailand kind of just has protests every once in a while because they are under somewhat of a similar um, government where it's like a king at the head of, of the Thai government. Um, mm. But it, uh, it's definitely interesting to hear that Thailand and China are going to censor the film. I, I read that China was going to delay it um, for a certain amount of time until the protests die down in Hong Kong, but they're still planning on releasing it. Okay. Um, but, I mean, is it... Does this make this film like more of an, more of an important piece of uh of i don't know some sort of important um you know like cultural product cultural yeah cultural product is this uh is this, probably not <laughs> I don't here, know. Here, here's what my question is if it was i mean if this was that important can you buy the hunger games books in china I that's mean, a good question i honestly didn't even hear about this so there's um so many other i don't know it just seems weird that maybe now that we live in such a such like a instant 24 hour you know international world that something as big as the hunger the third hunger games movie which of course is like kind of a it's like one of the few blockbusters coming out this year that right. people are actually going to go see you sure, know sure. <clears throat> so it's definitely like a big event uh you know if i were the heads of those states i would let the movie come out and not worry about it yeah, I feel like to what? worry about is to acknowledge like the yeah. weird symmetry of your way of running the country and the way that this fictional totalitarian state runs their country. Like, what? Yeah. I mean, plus it's like, if you're, I don't know, the, like anytime you tell someone not to do something, the first thing they're going to do is do it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, so like, get, yeah, tell people that this is like deemed like dangerous and people are going to be like oh then there's value to this thing yeah, and like they're going to be saying. like oh me likey and then go see it me likey hungry game yeah yeah so. um that's like really crazy I, I really didn't know about this that's like so nuts on so many levels i don't know i mean so is the question basically like just what do i think of it like what do we think of the idea of this yeah i mean yeah i mean because apparently there are like reports of you know the the Hunger Games like three finger salute. Yeah. Where they go like do 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 do. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess there's like instances of people like doing that in for in, like in ways of protest. Oh my god! Wait. Okay. Like, so the real takeaway those, is that China and Thailand are full filled with lame people. No, I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. In in those in in the article that Claire sent us, or in one of the articles, she sent us a couple of them. Okay. But I think it was talking about how in Thailand they're not allowing groups of five or more to gather and do that. Oh. <gasps> like the salute. Holy shit! That's so, so crazy. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's 
it's definitely easier to get messages like the at this out nowadays. I mean, yeah. this word 1984, it's harder to kind of like sum everything up from the movie into this one gesture. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's yeah, I don't know. That's really crazy. It, well, it's funny because like these cultural texts are like responding to real anxieties. So then yeah. when you have the like makers of those anxieties respond to the texts, it's just creating this cycle where it's like this is the function this is what mainstream media this is like what the function of like really acceptable mainstream stuff is. It like makes people sort of assess their surroundings. Like I think it's kind of gr- like I don't like that it's being banned, but I do yeah. like that like there's an acknowledgement of like the power of something as big as like a movie that like people are excited about yeah. that deals with real topics. Like that's like kind of this- great. If this movie inspires people to, to, to try to better themselves, then that's cool. Yeah, that is cool. But that's, like, so crazy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, that's... Yeah, I think China and Thailand are a very like, interesting places right now. It's also pretty... I think it's also really interesting because, like, American films now, ever since people stopped buying DVDs, like, American films need to do really well in international markets to break even. Right. And, like, the second biggest economy for American films China. is China. So, like, yeah. if you're not going to allow, like, a huge multi-million dollar blockbuster to, like, open in, like, the second biggest um, viewing country in the world, like, you're also damning your mm. own receipts. So if the film is unwilling to, like, edit shit out to, like, open there, then that's also, like, super great. Not that you can really edit out protest from the Hunger Games, because what yeah, would right. it be? Just like, I'm so hungry! It's like, kind of like the crux of the movie. Yeah, it's kind of everything, especially this yeah. one. But that's just going to be a really um, interesting thing for, like, the Hollywoods have to negotiate. Like, is it willing to step back on really, like, quote-unquote, like, powerful messages because it might not open well? And it probably yeah. will eventually because it's a business, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's crazy that Thailand and China is so scary. I can't believe people can't do that, like, three-fingered salute whistle thing. I don't know. I mean... Let them be shoved into a locker if it's what they want. It's stupid. Yeah, I mean, right. But, yeah, thanks for the question, Claire. That was really cool. That is really uh, cool. I'm into that. Interesting topic. We'll do updates on that. (laughs) We should check the box office receipts and report back next week on how it does in China, if it opens. we should. Well, it's going to open. I think it's going to be delayed until January, it said. Damn. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, cool. Yeah, now on to uh, a little more depressing part of the show it's time for the devil tongue of the week devil tongue of the week uh, <laughs> louder jack uh, nice so um i get so this episode's devil tongue of the week is going to society 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 <laughs> so stupid and more specifically the society that <laughs> is kind of at the crux of what just went down with the um, Darren Wilson uh, indictment. Yeah. Which didn't happen. Right. The Yeah, the indictment that never came to pass. Right. Yeah, let's get real for a second. Like, let's be honest. I'm really obviously devastated by that news and devastated about how unsurprised I was. Yes, very unsurprised. And that almost is more sad than the news itself. Right. That is, yeah, completely. That is what institutionalized racism looks like you know it's just like you feel debilitated at every turn and it's just like it's kind of an unfair game that you're never gonna win right and it asks so much of its people because to just have like hope that things will be better like that shit is really abstract like i don't know hope and then to like it just never is going to happen right very brutal yeah um no uh, yeah. yeah i don't know i don't yeah the 
Oh, God. I'm, like, literally speechless. I don't even know what to say about that stuff. The Ferg... Yeah, everything that happened in Ferguson was... It was just so obvious that Darren Wilson was not going to get indictment. The way that, like, they were stretching out the announcement of the decision and, like, the riot police being in place. Yeah, right? I mean, the, it was the, just the, obvious, the governor right? of the state putting Missouri in a state of emergency right. like, the week before they even announced it was Right, like, it was like you're acknowledging oh, geez, it. I wonder what's going to happen. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, like the on. clues are there. Not not that this is, like, a issue of, like, what did you expect? But rather, like, I cannot believe the way that... It's almost like the the shame that of Missouri is, like, present in how they're sort of, like, trying to, like, prepare or something. And it's yeah, just, right? like, so weird to me. It's such a weird thing. And yeah. They, like, knew... I, I, re- I mean, like, the, the county of St. Louis, like, stockpiled riot gear... Because they knew this was going to happen. Right, which guess what it does? Incites a riot. Exactly. Like, how can you be mad at people for rioting when you have people in riot gear there? You know what I mean? It's like you have terrorists attacking because, like, the military goes and occupies countries. Like, there's causality to how people react to during life during wartime. Like, you know what I mean? It's just, like, so backwards. And you were talking about that. Uh, When people... I hate that. When, when, like... A government will send in "quote unquote" peacekeepers to go into a country, and those people who are supposed to be peacekeepers are armed with like AK forty seven right. tanks and missiles, and it's like, well, okay, I, that doesn't really make me feel safe. Right, you've changed the entire landscape atmosphere. of this environment. Yeah. So, I mean, and then uh, yeah, and the, the the stupidest shit is like people getting mad about the rioting and all the looting and shit that may be happening. It's like. Fuck that. Fuck that. Even, Fuck you. Like, literally. Yeah, don't bring that up. That's, like, a completely different issue. Completely. Don't completely. even... It shouldn't even be in the same conversation. Yeah, complete... Yeah, it just feels so, so irrelevant to me. People like, riot over championships. Yeah, San you bet. The World Series. It was on fire. So fucked Riot's up. Riots happen. That's Riots it. happen. Riots happen for much less. Yes. And riots are not the most important talking point about this conversation. You know what I mean? Uh, Like, yeah, go see, do do the right thing. You know, that's like exactly what happens in that. Right. Totally. Yeah. I don't know. I don't even know what to say about it. Like, I don't even know what to say about everything that happened there. I just cannot believe, I was like talking to someone about this. I just can't believe like the amount of dead black teenagers whose names we know off the top of our heads. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, that's insane. I can just drop these names like that. Like, that's just so crazy. Like, it's just so upsetting. And, like, oh, my God, I don't know. And Obama's, like, speech, like, what? That He just seemed so devastated. <laughs> you know what I mean? just, like, defeated. Defeated, like, in his voice. And then fucking CNN split screen, like, that? Did you see that? Like, when he was no. giving his speech and, like, they were giving the split screen to the riots? Like, Oh, they like showed it like him talking while the while it was out. happening. I was like, number one, the president is like making he's giving a speech. Like, the president of the United States is giving a speech. Like, you keep yeah. the camera on the president until he's done speaking because he's yeah. literally the president. And also, just like a split screen as like an aesthetic decision is basically like saying that there are two sides to what <laughs> yeah. you are seeing. Like that look is what, what the language look what is. This president has wrought. Right, exactly. Like that is a very specific choice in editing and it has really real subtle like implications to people watching it and it's like really fucked up. I don't know. Everything about it is fucked up. Like 
everyone who's probably listening to this podcast is like are like people in our lives who are relatively left leaning and are like very open minded and like progressive and like politically literate. So I know we're like preaching to the converted, but like it's just really fucked up, and I'm like very upset by it. Yeah, obviously. and we had yeah, it was just kind of one of those things where we felt like we had to talk about it a little bit. Yeah, it felt like we it felt weird to, not to. We know. were supposed to record yesterday, and then like. The news that he wasn't going to get indicted broke really early in the morning slash late the night before. Right. And so, like, yesterday was kind of, like, marred with this whole tone of just kind of, like, God. Right. You know? Like, this is just it's not so the much. time to be, I don't know. We, it just felt like something we had to address. Yeah, it definitely feels like something to Yeah, no, 100%. It feels, it feels weird not to. Like, so much love to Mike Brown's family who, like, were so graceful in, like, their, in their messages. Or, like, in the statement that they released. Like, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's really upsetting. Janet made a great point that they, like, broke this, obviously, during Thanksgiving week, because, like, by Thursday, like, thoughts are elsewhere. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you're, it's a distraction. diabolical. Diabolical. That is so vicious. Um, And, yeah, it's just, like, yeah, it's really... Uh, I hate all of the police. So that's why society gets the devil tongue of the week. Society gets devil tongued. Like that. All right. Well, now onto something a little bit more uh, <laughs> more inappropriately light. We gotta. Yeah. I mean, we're gonna wrap it up here. We're we're we're, we're coming to an end of our, our time together. Don't yeah. make me cry. It's it's all right. But as seeing as as it is Thanksgiving tomorrow, we do want to just kind of give shout outs to whatever we're whatever we're feeling thankful for here, Roddy. Oh, where do I start? I'm thankful. <laughs> I am thankful for my beauty. Um, I am thankful for the lack of flaws on my face. Like, I'm thankful for that. Um, right. Did you not think of anything to be thankful for? I didn't think of a single thing to be thankful for. Okay, I'll, I'll, let me think of some right now. I'm thankful for your bed, which as usual I'm sitting on. And I'm thri- thriving. <laughs> um, I am... Very, oh, you, maybe you go first. <laughs> I'll say this. I'm thankful for every single one of the listeners who, who comes back week to week and actually plays our podcast. It's very, um, very nice and we, I appreciate it. I just and started makes, crying. And it makes me feel good. And honestly, um, yeah, I really like doing this podcast. I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for Janet. I'm <gasps> thankful for Rod. Don't I'm, do this! I'm thankful for all my friends and family. I'm thankful for my girlfriend. I'm thankful for being able to wake up in the morning and brew a cup of coffee and and do um, exactly what I want. So that's uh, pretty good stuff to be thankful for. That's really nice. I'm thankful for my beauty. Um, I'm thankful for <laughs> no, it's su- no, super real. I'm very thankful for our listeners. Um, I really like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm very thankful for just in general, the people in both of our lives who like appreciate our ridiculous indulgences. It's very right. sweet. Um, super thankful for friends, family, definitely for you who I've known for almost my entire life. And I love every minute of it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm thankful to feel like relatively safe, like on most days, which is yes. a real privilege. It's as a big the world step up from some hell. people in this world, so that's definitely something to acknowledge. Yeah, so really thankful for that. And yeah, I'm just uh, yeah, I'm thankful that in a year where like it just feels like everything was so like there was just so much 
going on in terms of like debilitatingly devastating news. Especially in the last like four months. Yeah. Honestly, since the summer, like Crimea and all that stuff happened and it didn't stop. It just feels like abroad here, like the conversations have just been like heavy at all times. And I'm thankful that I always have just felt like my responsibility has been to like have the conversation, like be aware and like not have to wake up and, like, worry about specific things, like, happening to me directly. That is the ultimate privilege. So, yeah, there's a lot to be thankful for and very thankful for the podcast above all of it. Most important podcast. podcast. So, not thankful for cereal. Not thankful for cereal. Um, Not thankful, you know, it's very keep your friends close and keep your enemies closer. So, cereal, we love you in the way that I love everything I plan to kill. Wanky wank. They're like, please yeah. stop calling our offices at 5 a.m. saying wanky right. wank. Like, so and I nasty. also just want to say that I'm thankful for Janet today, but tomorrow I will be right back on her ass. Ooh. You bet. Your sweet ass. I'm extremely thankful for Janet Alexander, one of our best friends, a loyal producer who prioritizes the things her friends love just as much as things she loves. Very incredible quality. Mm-hmm. But tomorrow, you're dead to me. You're dead to me. Okay? Okay. It's funny because tomorrow actually is Thanksgiving. Right, but this will air on Thanksgiving. Okay. So right. today is Thanksgiving, isn't it? Right. Uh, and right. And come Friday, your soul is turning black, just like the deals. <laughs> black Friday actually refers to um, the color of Janet's feet when we put her in cement and throw her in the water. <laughs> <laughs> so, there's that. Try editing the podcast from the deep blue sea, Janet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the deep blue sea. Maybe Janet can yeah. do her own podcast from the bottom of the ocean. Wait, I'm kind of down. I'm here with a shark. Like, um. <laughs> <laughs> Just like updates from Janet in the deep in the literal ocean. Love her. She's a survivor, <laughs> clearly. So thanks, Janet. But so thanks, it's Janet. Work because I think the podcast is over, and you have to start editing it now. Now, honestly, no food. She can't eat any of the food tomorrow anyway. So like, let's oh. get real. Get to work. Get to work. This is a twenty-four hour deal. We need you're it turned late. around. You're already late. Basically, it's Christmas. And you're already behind schedule. Already behind schedule. Get that cement ready. That's uh, uh, uh. a cement <laughs> truck backing up. Uh, uh, uh. Pour it on. Give a little time for the child within you. Don't be afraid to be young and free. Undo the locks and throw away the keys and take off your shoes and socks and run you.